This, this is the Second Second Story Podcast. On this week's Second Story Podcast, after college, Stephanie and her friends are living in New York, ready to take on the world. They think they've got it all figured out, but all it takes is one night for the entire world to flip upside down. Stephanie is a Second Story Company member, an actress who's made her home in Chicago for the past five years. She loves adventures. Some of her favorites include the time she danced to the dervish with the Tibetan Lama, or the time that she went skydiving. This story, titled Brooklyn Bluffs, was performed at Second Story's event at the Underground Wonder Bar in the Gold Coast of Chicago on September 29th. The theme of the evening was double-crossing time, stories of trust and betrayal. The story was curated by C.P. Chang, with performance direction by Thrissa Hoditz and sound design by Eric Hazen. And now, Second Story presents Stephanie Shavera. Through the reflection on the restaurant door, I see Lindsay walking up the street. She's holding two coffees, one for each of us, as she does every morning that we work brunch together. I unlock the door and watch her dodge traffic, her blonde hair blindingly bright in the sun. Even at this too early in the morning moment, I know that this is the magic time. This is the time that we are going to remember 26 in Brooklyn fighting to live the dream. We came to NYU as teenagers. Happenstance threw us and a group of guys together and we'd been friends ever since learning to do laundry, how to order drinks, how to be grown-ups, with Lindsay, better known as the general, always leading the way. Eventually, I paired off with one of the guys. He was the sweet one, the one who would calm me down by pulling our heads so close together that I could see a little me in his eyes. And his parents were British, so he had this funny way of talking. I mean, he pronounced the word mosquito. After a few years, we got our own place not far from the general and her boyfriend, and we all lived in poor, angsty, artistic bliss. And now, with both of our friends on a year-long tour of Hamlet together, we have the city to ourselves. While they are off pretend sword fighting, the general organizes our lives into a routine of working, exercising, and drinking. She's calculated a bar to be perfectly equidistant from our apartment so that we can and should reach our doors at the same moment wherein we call each other to make sure we've made it home safely. Tonight, the general has decreed that we are dressing up and getting margaritas. With the agony of long-distance relationships and because the other guys in our group are obsessed with learning poker, we decide it's girls' night. We get a few drinks bought for us, get nice and toasty, and when we leave, she walks north, where the bars are still open, and I head south, where it's quieter, towards families who've been in the area from before Brooklyn was a cool place to live. Brooklyn, at least this part, is especially hilly. When we moved in, the boyfriend told me that its high bluffs are one of the reasons England lost the war. Halfway up, I take off my heels, my steps quiet in the moonless night. There's a person behind me, and I think, how great it is that there's always someone awake with you in the city. Out of habit, I have my keys clenched in my fist like lady claws, so when I get to my stoop, walk up the three stairs to my front door, I have to pause to unspool my keys. 
and suddenly there's a thickness between my thighs, a hand, and the cement steps are scraping my legs and the door is flying away as I am yanked backwards. Heavy fingers grab at the inside of my thighs and all I can see is night and bricks and a window light and a puffy jacket arm around my chest and I'm on my back. I'm on top of someone. I wriggle and flail trying to get up, but I can't. The arm has me pinned hard. I scream for help, or at least I think I do. The block remains quiet except for his jacket and the sound of his breathing. I start kicking backwards, try to get my arms free, and then I'm up in the air. I'm flying again forward this time, and he's gonna get on top of me, and then my chest slams into the wall, and I hear him running away. I'm inside, trying to find my breath when there's a pounding, someone knocking. When I didn't answer my phone, according to protocol, the general panicked. I open the door and she stands there holding the shoes I left out on the sidewalk. She calls the cops. She calls the boyfriend. I hear his voice and just shatter. I can't speak and I don't want to. I don't want him to ask, but that's all he does. What's going on? The cops pull up, so I have to call him back. He grabbed me or I fell or he pulled me or something. Did he rape you? No, but he grabbed at me, but he didn't rape you. No. Did he steal anything? No. And then he just ran away. Yeah, I think I hit him. I'm not sure. You smell like tequila. We had margaritas? How many? Three and a shot of tequila, I think. He closes his notebook. And you have no idea what he looked like. No. Was he black? No. Puerto Rican? What? How am I supposed to know that? They drive us around to see if I spot anyone, which I, of course, don't, only confirming their suspicions that I am making this up, even though I have scratches and will eventually have bruises along the back of my thighs, arms, and neck. The general holds my hand. She presses her fate up to the grate between the seats. Really? This is your plan? Drive us around until we find some guy holding a sign that says, I did it? Just take us back. The general calls the boyfriend while I fill out paperwork. No answer. After several calls to her boyfriend and calls to the hotel, we find out that the boyfriend was unreachable because he turned off his phone and had gone to sleep. The general stays with me, finally passing out on my futon. I stay up scrubbing the tiles in my bathroom trying to do something that makes sense. And then she wakes up and goes to work. I call out. A couple days later, Detective Murphy from the 72nd Precinct brings me in. I pass through metal detectors into a disappointingly bland office. He seats me at a desk with three-inch thick binders. They are organized like baseball cards, the all-star team of petty theft and sexual assault. I try to be a good citizen and audition each guy in my imagination. The men's faces go round and round in my head and the detective's daughters smile at me from frames on his desk. I want to protect these little girls and I want to run away and my empty stomach cramps and I'm losing my breath again. And then Detective Murphy brings me into a real life police lineup room which looks exactly the way it looks in the movies. And he's egging me to name this one guy. I keep telling him all I saw was a jacket arm. I beg him to let me leave. So I have to sign a paper stating officially, nothing happened. Nothing was stolen and I wasn't raped and I can't bring myself to predict what he was attempting to do, so nothing. Case closed. I 
push out into the stinking Brooklyn air and throw up to, next to a mailbox scaring some pigeons that shit and fly away. <laughs> I call the boyfriend wherever he is in America. It appears that he has forgotten it was police lineup day. I just wish you would have called me to check in on me, I tell him. Jesus, do you really expect me to have your entire calendar memorized? I grab and shake the chain link gate, doubled over in a silent scream. What is going on? My legs buckle and I sink to the curb. This can't be my life. The general tries to keep me on schedule, but I can't. When we do go to bars, I make jokes about my weird attack, jokes about getting attacked by the world's most incompetent rapist. No one laughs. I stop going out. I sit at home and in the quiet begin talking to myself. Maybe I'm losing it. Shit. I did, maybe I did imagine it. Maybe I just fell backwards and made the rest of it up. God, I would give anything for that to be true. I want to erase all of this from my life. I don't want to be this person. I get a postcard from the boyfriend writing about the show and I start laughing to myself as I maniacally understand that I know exactly where Hamlet is coming from. The boyfriend returns and we get into ugly fights. We separate our stuff. He puts the record player I bought him for his birthday in the throwaway pile and I get so angry I actually shove him. The guys start consoling him. I'm beginning to think that maybe what I'm saying isn't what I think I'm saying. I think I'm saying some dude grabbed me in between my legs and tried to get into me to get his fingers inside of me and I've never been so scared in my life. But it feels like no one is listening. A couple weeks later, the general gets engaged. I help plan a party for them in Manhattan. At the apartment, I pull on a dress and some heels. My heart throbs when I catch myself in the mirror and discover the outline of my body, which has been drowning in jeans and sweatshirts for two months. I stop at the door of the bar. One night to be confused, one night to speed up to cry. I'm afraid everybody hates me or someone's going to try and have a conversation with me. And if it weren't for the love of her, I would break out into a running dive straight into the East River. She sees me through the window and waves. Inside, I organize a gift table and talk to the bartender about creating a special drink. I turn around with a bubbling gin basil concoction to see the guys behind me. The now estranged boyfriend steps forward. We're gonna go. They wanna get some rolling rocks and practice Texas Hold'em. I don't wanna make a scene, so I smile tightly. Are you gonna come back later to make sure I get home okay? I try to catch his eyes and he's looking everywhere but at me and I think for a second he's scared of me and I hate myself. I hate myself for becoming so angry. And he chews his lip and looks down and suddenly I get it. He's scared of seeing himself in my eyes. He knows what he's avoiding. And I see the guys shuffle behind him and they all know it. I let them go. And I feel so light, I stay till the end of the party when the bar closes at 4 a.m. The general grabs my hand and pulls me out onto the sidewalk. She is absolutely sparkling. And she hugs me and gets down on one knee and starts her prepared speech. 
You are my heart. I need you to be my maid of honor. Will you stand next to me at the altar? I look at her kneeling on the sidewalk thinking there's got to be somebody better than me. Wherever you're going, I'll need you to come back for the wedding. I pull her off the ground. What do you mean? You're leaving. I didn't know I was leaving. Of course, the general already figured it out. I stare at her in silence. A passing garbage truck whips our hair into our faces. She tucks my curls back and pulls me close so that our cheeks are touching and into my ear she whispers, it's you and me. Before I can say anything, thank her for everything, she hails a taxi for me and makes the cabbie promise he'll wait till I get inside the apartment. Falling into the soft, broken seat, I head east over the Brooklyn Bridge. I have no idea where the fuck I'm going. The window cools my forehead as I look out past the city. It's just a few hours into the morning and the sun is already beginning to warm up the horizon. That was Stephanie Shavera. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Join us December 9th and 10th at Webster's Wine Bar in the Lincoln Park neighborhood for Epic Fail, Stories of Extraordinary Blunders. Or for our fans in Los Angeles, join us for Second Story on the Road on December 5th at The Last Bookstore in the heart of downtown. Second Story podcasts are brought to you in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Program, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and Arts Works Funds. This podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer Diamond, Bobby Badrisky, Nick Diamond, Eric Hazen, Katie Pryor, the Second Story Publishing Committee, Danielle Ezel, Sherry Pentamone, C.P. Chang, and myself. I'm Ozzie Totten, and this is Second Story. Thanks for listening.